Have you ever wondered what makes a serial killer? Is it in their blood? Is it the trauma they go through? Are they just bad people? Or maybe you even think it's your zodiac sign. Welcome to The Serial Box, a podcast all about the most infamous serial killers and things you may not have known about them. We are your hosts, Kennedy Miguel and Jenna Burns. In today's episode, we will be talking about Richard Ramirez, or better known as the Night Stalker. We will dive into his traumatic childhood that led up to his gruesome kills. Warning, in this podcast, we will talk about murder, sexual assault, and abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Richard Ramirez was born a Pisces on February 29, 1960. He was born in El Paso, Texas, and had four siblings. His parents' names were Mercedes and Julian Ramirez. At the age of two years old, a dresser fell on his head, causing a terrible concussion, and at five years old, he was hit in the head with a swing. Studies have shown that some very violent people have suffered from head injuries when they were young. Maybe this is to blame for his violent behavior. Personally, I believe that it may have been a factor in his violent behavior, but also the trauma he suffered was definitely a huge factor in his violent behavior. At the age of six, he started having seizures and was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. His father was abusive to him and his siblings, building up his childhood trauma. When Richard was 12, his cousin Miguel came back from war. He started to shape Richard's mind and became a role model for him. His cousin would show Richard gruesome photos of women Miguel raped and murdered while he was in Vietnam. Miguel also shot and killed his wife in the head in front of Richard, these two events most likely being huge factors in his violent behavior. His brother, Ruben, got him pornography when he was young, which is definitely not appropriate for a young developing mind. When he was 13, he started smoking weed and committed burglary and petty theft. 13 years old. Imagine a person you know that is around that age doing those things. This is absolutely terrible, and no child should have that trauma and commit those crimes. He enrolled in Thomas Jefferson High School, but would eventually drop out in ninth grade. At the age of 15, he started having sex with sex workers, and he was obsessed with horror movies. His first job was working at a hotel called the Holiday Inn when he was 15. While working there, he tried to get into the room of a woman and sexually assault her. He failed to do this because the husband beat him up. He was fired from his job, but not charged for the crime. What is your opinion on if his head injuries were a factor in him becoming a murderer whenever he was older? I think that his head traumas as a child played a huge part in him becoming a killer, but I also think he had trouble socializing, which led him to seek unhealthy social interactions. I agree 100%. I also think his father abusing him and his cousin shooting his wife in front of him and showing disturbing pictures was another huge factor in his violent behavior. I believe that if he had not suffered from head injuries or had a traumatic childhood, he wouldn't have been as aggressive by nature. The reason I think this is because I think that being aggressive is a top behavior. And when you're young, your mind is still developing. So being exposed to this much aggression and violence made him aggressive and violent. Do you think that if he would have been aggressive, if he had never had head injuries or had been abused or been shown anything disturbing. Basically, if he had a calm and good childhood with no trauma, do you think he still would have been a murderer? 
definitely would say the same because people don't really take into account how much parenting plays a part in who becomes a killer. Yeah, not every single killer is traumatized and abused as a kid, but there is usually something that you can find in a serial killer's childhood that played a part in who they became. And in this case, a look at Richard's trauma experienced as a child links directly to what methods of assault and murder he partook in. In Richard's case, his trauma tied right into his sexual assault acts. But you can't blame all of this on his parents because he also did do a lot of drugs, including cocaine and acid. The horror began in June 1984. Los Angeles was under siege. Death waited in the dark at the hands of a man they called the Night Stalker. After a 14-month reign of terror, he was finally caught. It was only then that his true identity was discovered. His name, Richard Ramirez. As Richard got older, things started to take a turn for the worst. Stories of a man breaking into people's houses very late in the night, mainly in Southern California, sometimes killing the men of the house and raping the women sometimes more than once, and also ransacking the place for valuable items, soon became known as the Night Stalker. There were also some gory exceptions to these crimes, including 30-year-old student Su Lin Yu found lying bloody on the ground near her running car in Monterey Park, California. According to the media reports, her last words were, help me, help me. There, were all, there was also the 40-year-old woman bound and raped as her 12-year-old son was handcuffed and locked in a closet. After killing started, kidnapping and attempted kidnapping had also started. that time there was a series of child abductions or attempt abductions of children in each case the child was sexually assaulted february 25th in montebello a six-year-old girl was taken from a schoolyard molested then abandoned march 11th in monterey park a nine-year-old boy was snatched from his bed molested then abandoned march 20th in glacelle park an eight-year-old girl was taken from her bed assaulted in a car then abandoned there were also reports of pentagrams scrawled in the crime scenes and also snippets from heavy metal songs. Richard used varying killing weapons, including guns, knives, and his fists. Some of Richard's victims managed to survive, and some he just spared for unknown reasons. The police were searching and searching for clues until there was a break in the case. A manager at a hotel in San Francisco's Tenderloin District recognized descriptions of a suspect as a man who'd stayed at his hotel periodically for a year and a half. But by then, Richard had already left the Bay Area. Richard killed soon after that, August 24th, in Los Angeles after a bus trip to Tuscan, Arizona, where he'd been visiting his little brother. Little did he know, he would be found out soon after that attack. He was finally recognized at a store near a downtown L.A. bus station after his image had been splashed across the newspapers. Ramirez, Ramirez tried to flee, but residents of an East Los Angeles neighborhood, neighborhood though, spotted him trying to steal two cars, caught and subdued him, and then held him down until the police arrived. After years of delays, Richard's case went to trial in 1989. In an interview surrounding the trial, Richard would not answer any questions about his own kills, but he did have a bit to say about serial killers as a whole and his practice of Satanism. 
Ramirez refused to discuss his own crimes, but had this to say about serial killers. A serial killer comes about by circumstances and like a, a recipe, poverty, drugs, child abuse. These things, you know, are, contribute to a person, uh, to a person's frustration and anger. And, uh, and uh, at some point in life, he explodes. Perhaps for Richard Ramirez, that anger and frustration turned to rage, which he in turn took out on his victims. His killings were so sadistic and brutal that even experienced detectives were shocked. The whole prosecution cost Los Angeles County more than $1.8 a record amount that stood until O.J. Simpson's murder trial years later. What Richard Ramirez had already done was terrifying, but the things he did during the trial made it 10 times scarier. For example, he put a pentagram on his hand and yelled, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. The jury had convicted him of 11 murders in Southern California and 12 in the San Francisco area. He was issued the death sentence. According to the Los Angeles Times, Supreme Court Judge Michael Tanan said Ramirez during his bloody spree had displayed cruelty, callousness, and viciousness beyond any human understanding. The rest of his life was spent at the home of many of California's most dangerous felons and was on death row alongside Scott Peterson and the Mendez brothers. Even when on death row, he managed to find himself a wife, a woman who followed him through the trial and thought he was innocent, who would write him dozens of letters and would even visit him in jail. Her name was Doreen Loy. Since Richard's death in 2013, Doreen has managed to stay out of the public eye. Her whereabouts are unknown today, and the last hearing of her was in her father's obituary, where she is listed as Doreen Ramirez. When he was charged with his crimes and sentenced to death, his last words while leaving the courtroom were, Hey, big deal. Death comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. Richard died of natural causes on June 7, 2013 at the age of 53, and was supposed to die on death row soon after that, but didn't make it till then. Do you think he was actually a satanic worshiper or just used that to make himself better known? I think he really was a satanic worshiper because of the way he talked about it. He didn't just say crazy things just to be saying them. He took his time explaining why and how he felt about it. But I also do think he adopted it in the first place so people would talk about him more. But once he was in, he was all the way in. Yeah, I agree. Also to add what you said, I think him being a satanic worshiper was also his way of trying to justify his terrible crimes. Of course, it most definitely doesn't, but I think that it may have been something he would use to justify them. Overall, he was a bad person. He had a terrible childhood that nobody deserves to have, but that doesn't mean he should have done the terrible things that he did. Everyone knows Richard's name, but they don't know his victims' names. Their names are Mei Lung, Jenny Vincal, Dale Yoshi Okazaki, Veronica Yu, Maria Hernandez, Vincent Charles Zara, Maxine Lavinia Zarzara, Bill Doy, Lillian Doy, Mabel Bell, Florence Lang, Carol Kyle and her son, Mary Louise Cannon, Whitney Bennett, Joyce Lucille Nelson, Sophie Dickman, Maxson and Layla Needing, Chainarong Kavanath, Sam Kid Kavanath, 
Christopher and Virginia Peterson, Sakina and Elias Abawa, Peter and Barbara Pan, Bill Carnes, and Inez Erickson. He was charged with 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 11 counts of sexual assault, and 14 counts of burglary. He was a truly evil man, and I'm glad he was caught. Childhood trauma or not, there is no way to justify his vile crimes. Thank you for listening to The Serial Box, and we will see you in the next episode. Again, we are your hosts, Kendi Miguel and Jenna Burns.